Good evening, TPC family, and welcome again to our Wednesday night at-home teaching series. Uh, the last couple weeks, I've had the opportunity to uh, share with you a message on kingdom reconciliation. Uh, this week, I want to uh, kind of take another angle in regards to the kingdom. Uh, you know, one of the things that uh, I've learned over the years, it's, it's so important to understand how the kingdom of God works. <clears throat> And, you know, we talked about kingdom reconciliation and, and the aspect of how kingdom principles can be brought into the area of reconciliation, racial reconciliation, reconciliation just in general, <clears throat> and, and how Jesus demonstrated those principles for us. But kingdom principles go beyond just the area of reconciliation. They, they cover literally every area of life and how we are to relate to the culture. Because the culture is, is influenced by sin. The, the culture is influenced by the enemy. And we as the church are called to influence the culture. We're the ones to be the influencers, not the influencees. And unfortunately, in, in, especially in the United States, uh, for too long, the church has been influenced by the culture rather than the church influencing the culture. And we've seen that decline over the last several decades and centuries of the church's influence in the culture. So that, that's why I want to talk about kingdom influence tonight and how the Bible teaches us to be influencers, how we can be the ones to influence the culture. Because right now, culture needs a lot of influence. Uh, it is trying to exert its influence, and, and we see that. Uh, you know, one of the things I brought up uh, the last couple of weeks was the aspect of the political worldview. And that worldview is being influenced in almost every sphere of life. Uh, there, there's almost no area of life where the, the political worldview has not exerted its influence. So how do we as, as the church, uh, as kingdom people, as Christians, exert that type of influence into the culture, uh, and and bring about a, a a reformation, if you will, or a, a a spiritual awakening within the culture to the truth of Scripture, to the truth of the kingdom, to to the reality of the presence and power of Jesus Christ to heal, save, and deliver. Uh, and that that's what I want to talk about tonight, because in in the aspect of kingdom influence. If we are not influencers of the kingdom, then the only thing that will, will lead to influence in, in the world is, is the worldly culture. And we see the outcome of that. Uh, we see the division and the strife and the hopelessness that, that has, has occurred across the spectrum uh, you know, around the world and throughout history, but especially right now here in, in, in the United States, there, uh, there's just so much division. There's so much uh, condemnation. Um, and and there's, just, there's just so much hopelessness that is occurring. And, and that, is, that is a byproduct of a worldly influence, a worldly culture influencing itself um, in a nation. So... We as the church are called to be influencers. Uh, you know, we mentioned the last couple of weeks that the Lord calls us to be ministers of reconciliation, but we're also called to many other things in regards to the church and, and, and being an influencer into our culture. And one of the things that uh, that I'm going to kind of focus on tonight in the area of influence, because influence is a big area, so I'm going to kind of focus in on, on a specific area of influence and talk about how we can um, follow biblical, a, a biblical pattern, kingdom principles, to be influencers. But uh, specifically in one of those areas that uh, we, we look at and have adopted in the church in regards to um, influence is, is a cultural belief that, uh, you know, you've heard the old, the old saying, go big or go home, right? Um, and, and I think in the church, we've kind of adopted that. Uh, you, you look at the, the pattern of the church over the last, you know, several decades uh, has 
it has sort of coalesced around this belief that bigger is better. And that unless you're big, you know, in, in the context of church size, of course, this is, this is really easy to see. Uh, the churches who are the biggest, you know, that have tens of thousands of members um, are, are viewed as the most influential. And that unless you're a church of 10,000 plus, then you're not influential. Uh, but the reality is that the majority of churches in America are under 200 in, in membership. So, you know, the question comes down to, you know, does, does God not know what he's doing? If bigger is better, then why is not every church in, in America 10,000 plus? Or, uh, and, and that's certainly not to knock the big churches or the small churches. It's to get us to think, um, what is our thought process behind elevating um, the aspect of being big? Um, and it's not just in church size either. It's, it's in the aspect of, of influence where uh, unless we do something big, you know, unless we have big numbers um, or, or some sort of big uh, event or big conference or big whatever, then it's just not worth doing because there's no influence there. <clears throat> what we're going to discover tonight is actually the kingdom works just the opposite. Uh, the kingdom doesn't go for big, it goes for small. Uh, and we'll see this example throughout the Bible, but we'll also see it uh, in the aspect of Jesus. Uh, Jesus didn't come to build a big, ginormous uh, group of influencers. He started with a very small group. And he started uh, really with individuals. And, and I want to look at a specific example. We're going to look at Jesus' example in a little bit, but I want to go back to the Old Testament. And our primary scripture for tonight is going to be out of the book of Judges. And this is a perfect example of God's perspective on influence. Because, you know, the cultural perspective of go big or go home is a perspective that excludes God. It's a perspective that excludes spiritual influence and the moving of the Spirit of God, it's all about human influence. It's all about what we can do. Um, because absent of the Spirit of God, then yes, go big or go home. Because <laughs> if, if you don't have a big group or big experience or big event, then your influence is little. But in the kingdom of God, it, size of event or group or church or whatever is irrelevant um, because the real influencer is Jesus. The real influencer is the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and it's the power of God. And oftentimes the Lord, in order to teach us these kingdom principles, will put us in a position where we can't have big numbers or, or a big event or a big whatever. Because he's trying to teach us that if we do go big, we're actually relying more on ourselves than we are on him. And a perfect example of that, again, is in the book of Judges. Uh, and you all are going to be familiar with this. Uh, it's the story of Gideon. <clears throat> if you remember Gideon, you know, uh, Gideon um, lived in a, in a time when the, the Midianites were oppressing Israel. And they basically had control over Israel. And Gideon and his family and all of Israel were pretty much subject to the Midianites. So, you know, here's Gideon out one day and he's threshing wheat in a wine press because he's afraid of the Midianites. And the Lord comes to him and, you know, Gideon says, Hey, if, if you are really with us, then why has all this stuff happened to, to Israel? Then the Lord says to him, go in this might of yours and deliver Israel. And Gideon's like, what? Who, who am I? Who am I to deliver Israel? And I think a lot of times when it comes to influence, we, we sort of say the same thing to the Lord. Well, who am I? Why me? And, you know, the response God gives us is the same one he gives to, to Gideon. He says, hey, I'll be with you. And, and that's, again, that's a common response God gives to people throughout the entire Bible is, hey, I am with you. And that's all you need to know. That's all you need to be influential is the fact that I am with you. So, you know, the Lord tells Gideon to go out and put together an army. 
Well, you know, of course, Gideon goes big. You know, and he puts together this huge army. And this is where I want to turn to in, in Judges chapter 7. It's just the first two, two verses I want to look at. At God's response to Gideon in the group of, of soldiers he's put together to try and fight the Midianites. Now, despite the fact that you know Gideon put this huge group together, the number of Midianite soldiers was, I mean, just dwarfed anything Israel could ever put together. And again, we'll see that here in a minute. So, starting in verse uh, one of chapter seven, let's look at this. Then Jeroboam, who was Gideon, that is Gideon, and all the people who were with him rose early and encamped beside the well of Herod, <clears throat> so that the camp of the Midianites was on the north side and by the hill of Morah in the valley. And the Lord said to Gideon, The people who are with you are too many. Now, when was the last time you, you went to a church? When was the last time you went to a conference? When was the last time you went to some sort of Christian event? And, you know, the leaders went, okay, well, there's too many people here. Uh, half of y'all people need to go. <laughs> that never happens. But here's Gideon bringing this huge group of, of soldiers before God. And God says, whoa, whoa, there's too many. In fact, he says, he says this about the fact that there's too many. Uh, the Lord says to Gideon, the people who are with you are too many. They're too many for me to give Midian into their hands Least Israel claim glory for itself against me, saying, My own hand has saved me. So I want to kind of explore this as we go through these principles uh, and the three keys to kingdom influence tonight. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, tonight uh, I just pray that as we get into your word and when we learn of your kingdom principles, Father, I just pray that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of you, your ways, your purposes, and, and Lord, that you would show us how you do things. Father, you show us the way you want us to work out the kingdom principles that you've, you have placed here in your word. So we pray, Father, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and Lord, that we would follow your pattern in Jesus' name. Amen. So again, here we have here we have Gideon uh, gets this huge army together, uh, and it runs a, a number of about thirty-two thousand. <clears throat> so the Lord says, "Hey, there's too many. <laughs> you got too many people." And He says that you've got too many people because <clears throat> if I deliver the Midianites into your hands, now there's a key phrase right there. Let me go back to verse two real quick. Here's a really key phrase that we got to be very careful that we don't miss. And the Lord says, okay, the people are with, who are with you are too many. For, for me, meaning the Lord's saying this, the Lord's saying, I, it's too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. So, you know, we get so caught up in the numbers in, in this particular verse sometimes, we miss that little bit of phrase right there where it says, I'm the one who's going to give them into your hands. It's, it's not you. It's not how many people are with you. It's not how well trained they are. It's, it's not, you know, whether they're professional or amateur. I'm the one who's going to give them into your hands. But right now you've got too many. Because if I do give them into your hands, you're going to claim victory for yourselves. You're going to claim you did it. And you're not going to realize I'm the one who does it. So the Lord continues on with Gideon and says, uh, you know, hey, I want you to call out anybody who's afraid or doesn't want to be here, whatever. So 22,000 leave, and he's left with 10,000. So here's Gideon. He starts with 32,000 soldiers. The Lord says, uh, sorry, too many. <clears throat> Gives him a, a sort of a test to, to sift through and to, to cut the numbers down, and he gets down to 10,000. Now, you got to remember the, the Midianite army, uh, later on in, in, in chapter 7, it says of the Midianite army that the number of their camels was like the sand of the seashore. That's just the camels. So you're looking at an army of Midian of probably hundreds of thousands of soldiers. And the Lord says to Gideon, 32,000 on our side is too many. 
So now he's down to 10,000 to go up, up against an army of hundreds of thousands of soldiers. So now he's down to 10,000. The Lord said, no, that's still too big. If you went to a concert, if you went to a, you know, a Christian event, a conference, a seminar or something, they had 10,000 people in there. And, you know, who would ever say this is too many? You know, an organizer or, or, or event planner or, you know, the speakers go, sorry, uh, this is too big. <laughs> uh, we don't say that anymore. Uh, we don't have that perspective because we sort of bought into this, this cultural belief that go big or go home. So anyways, uh, you know, the Lord continues to sift and says, sorry, 10,000 is too many. He gives them another test to go drink at the lake. And finally, he ends up with 300 people. And the Lord says, ah, okay, now... There's a size that I can work with because there's no way you or anybody else could ever think that if this small group has victory over an army of hundreds of thousands, it could ever be done in your power. And that, that's an aspect of the kingdom that I think, again, we forget. That we're to rely on God's power, not our own. And oftentimes in the Christian life, we rely on our own power. When it comes to influence, you know, we're in a, in a culture right now that is literally tearing itself apart. Um, you know, especially in the area of racial reconciliation. <clears throat> I've had a lot of conversations with people over the last few months, pastors and, and just Christians, uh, you know, congregation members, uh, other, other Christian leaders, whatever, just, just regular people. And oftentimes, the perspective is we have to do something big. You know, we have to, um, we have to either, we got to go boycott uh, or we got to start this big movement. Uh, we have to have this big conference. Uh, we have to go big or go home in order to, to bring about racial reconciliation or reconciliation in general or to overcome social injustice. We have to go big. We have to go big. We have to do this big thing. And, you know, we forget that the, the victory that we're looking for in the area of racial reconciliation or in, in cultural influence in general does not come through us. It does not come through our power. It does not come uh, by our ability. It is a, a, a direct result of God giving us victory, just like God said here in verse 2 of uh, Judges 7 to Gideon, hey, there's too many people here for me to turn Midianites over to you because you're going to claim victory for yourself. You're going to claim the glory for yourself. And a lot of times the Lord will intentionally put us in a position where we don't have big numbers or we don't have big natural influence because he wants to give us spiritual influence. But unfortunately, because we have bought into the, the cultural belief that go, go big or go home, or it has to be big, it has to be this big event or whatever, we have a lot of numbers. When the Lord gives us the opportunity, but it's in a small context, we, we either give up on it or we don't even recognize it. And we miss a huge opportunity to see God move. So that's, that's sort of what I want to get into tonight. I want to talk about three specific keys in regards to kingdom influence so we don't miss another opportunity, so we don't miss another big move uh, where God begins small in order to go big. So let's look at those three keys. And here are the three keys to kingdom influence that I want to talk about tonight. Now, of course, the kingdom influence is, has, has a lot of aspects to it, but I'm just dialing in on these three areas in this context of, um, you know, go big or go home versus go small to go big, if you will. So here, here's the thing, uh, or three keys, rather. Number one, in the kingdom, little is big. Number two, consistency is more important than intensity. And number three, favor is more important than position or title. 
So let's look at all three of those in this context of kingdom influence. So number one, in the kingdom, little is big. <clears throat> and again, this kind of goes right back to where we are with, with um, Gideon. You know, he had this army of 32,000. And the Lord said, no, sorry, that's too big. That's too many. See, in the kingdom of God, little is big. Um, from a spiritual perspective, God doesn't just look at the present. He, he looks at things uh, throughout the, the entirety of whatever influence that particular event, person, whatever has. <clears throat> you know, God, God is outside of time. He's not limited to time. So he sees past, present, and future all at once. Uh, you know, the Bible says he's the one who declares the end from the beginning before the beginning ever begins. So when God looks at something, he doesn't look at it from our perspective. You know, from our perspective, when I look, when you and I look at something that's small, you know, sort of a, a small beginning, we look at that in the context of the size of the problem we're trying to address. And we look at it in the current time frame. This beginning, whatever it is, is really small compared to the ginormity of the problem that we're trying to address. And we immediately compare it in its current form, in its current time frame, with no thought of its growth and future and what it can look like in 5, 10, 15 years. God doesn't do that. God looks at it in the sense of, okay, here it is where it is right now, but I also see it five years from now. I see it 10 years from now. And I see this little thing, how this little thing can become infinitely greater than the current problem that it's trying to address. So God plays the long game, if you will, not the short game. We tend to play the short game, meaning we look at, at something in, 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 a, in a short time frame. We, we want a quick fix. You know, we live in this, this, this society that wants something done immediately. You know, the, the microwave uh, aspect of, of a society. You know, I, I don't want to spend three hours making dinner. I just want to put it in the microwave where it's done in three minutes. And it, we've sort of adopted that mentality when it comes to ministry or, or to, to kingdom influence. You know, I don't want to wait 10 years for this influence to grow and, and to marinate and, and all that needs to be done in order for the influence to be big. Uh, I just want to hit a button, boom, and it's done. <laughs> I don't want to do all that. Well, that's not how God works. Gideon's story is a perfect example of the pattern that is seen all the way through the Bible. You know, when uh, we see creation with Adam and Eve and then the fall and then, of course, Noah and, you know, the destruction of, of the entire world through the flood. And then everything starts happening again, where sin starts influencing the world. You know, God didn't start this huge, giant movement. He just called one man named Abraham. And he told him, you will become the father of many nations. And through you, all the, the people of the earth will be blessed. Well, it didn't happen fully in his lifetime. Uh, you know, Abraham only saw a couple generations. He had no clue that his lineage would lead to, to the nation of Israel and eventually to the lineage of the birth of the Savior of the world. Uh, but God saw that, but Abraham didn't. And, you know, Abraham struggled to even think he could have a, have a child. You know, uh, of course, you know the story where he he ends up having a child with with his his wife's uh, um, servant, and thinks, okay, well, that's it. You know, that's the fulfillment. And the Lord said, no, 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 no. You will have a child from your own body. So we today sort of have that same perspective in that. Well, how does this work? How how in the world can something this small overcome something this big? Well, we got to be careful, A, we're not thinking from a human perspective. We have to remember that in the kingdom, little is big. Because in the kingdom, God doesn't look at the little in, in isolation. He looks at it across the, the entire lifespan, if you will, of that influence. You know, in, in Zechariah, the Lord says, Do not despise the day of small beginnings. <clears throat> And 
in, in uh, Luke chapter 8, we see Jesus uh, kind of share a perspective of the kingdom that is in line with this aspect of little is big. You know, in the kingdom, little is big. So in Luke chapter 8, starting in verse 17, you know, the, the Lord, uh, Lord reveals the fact that, uh, you know, everything that is hidden will be revealed. And when it comes to starting something small in the kingdom, little is big. We think this little thing that we're doing, uh, you know, whether it's a small group or maybe it's an individual, uh, or maybe it's a ministry, uh, a Bible study, whatever, um, a conference, wh whatever it is that the Lord's called us to do. Uh, to us, it looks hidden. To us, it looks uh, covered up because everything else is so big. <clears throat> but, you know, Jesus said, there's nothing that is, is hidden that will not be revealed or anything hidden that will not be known and come to light. Of course, we tend to look at that in a negative side also in the sense of, hey, you know, God's going to reveal all sin and, and all the, the evil ways of man. But there's also a flip side to that. That if we're, we're faithful in, in doing the little things the Lord has called us to do, then he's going to reveal that. Uh, and part of that revelation is also a fulfillment of his plans and purposes and his influence through us. <clears throat> uh, just the little things sometimes are what make the big difference. Because in the kingdom, little is big. Uh, Great, great example of that, uh, you know, when we talk in the context of uh, racial injustice or racial reconciliation, is, is uh, Rosa Parks. You know, here's, here's a woman who, in the middle of, of all the segregation and, and all that was going on, decided to, to be one, a one-person one rebellion. Instead of moving to the back of the bus, she sat at the front of the bus. Now, looking at it from... That specific moment in history, not knowing, of course, it would lead to where it did. And, of course, Martin Luther King and, and the whole aspect of, of the, the, uh, the movement towards desegregation and, and all those different aspects that came out of that. All she knew is she was on a bus. She was not going to sit at the back and was going to just be a one-person rebellion, sit at the front of the bus. That's a little thing. And who knows how many other people may have done that. And it could have easily been that day she sat at the front of the bus and she ended up suffering the consequences for it and nobody ever heard of it. Uh, but clearly that was not the case with Rosa Parks. <clears throat> and as kingdom people, we have to remember that it's not... A matter of our ability. It's not a matter of our influence. It's a matter of what the Lord does. You know, when Martin Luther King, the, or, sorry, uh, Martin Luther, not the, not Martin Luther King Jr., but Martin Luther, the, the the reformer, when he saw all the evils of the Catholic Church, he went to the, the church uh, uh, in Wittenberg and nailed his 95 Thesis to the, to the door, which in those days was a way to, to uh, call out for a debate. Well, somebody could have seen that, ripped it off, and then disappeared, and nobody ever known it. Well, clearly that didn't happen. And God used that one act to spark the Great Reformation. <clears throat> and there's numerous stories of this throughout history. We have to be very careful when it comes to looking at kingdom influence and our influence as, as Christians, that we don't look at it through a lens of human influence or natural influence. We have to look at it through a lens of God's ability to, to bring influence through us, through our obedience. So, the, you know, one of the aspects of, of the hindrance to influence for us is is our perspective that, you know, we, we kind of buy into the go big or go home. You know, what can I do? I can't do anything great. 
Um, but the other aspect, too, is sometimes those single acts or those small um, acts of obedience get us out of our comfort zone. And they, they cause us to have to take a risk. The other thing we bought into here in this country, in the church in this country especially, is we tend to value comfort more than our commitments. And in Christianity, we're called to value commitment over comfort. So when God calls us to make a commitment or to follow through on a commitment, oftentimes it gets us uncomfortable. It gets us out of our comfort zone. <clears throat> and if we don't have the character of Christ through our growing relationship with God, then we're just going to pretty much default to our comfort zone. And God cannot use us in our comfort zone because our comfort zone will never allow us to take a risk and will never allow us to, to put ourselves in a position where we could fail. That unless God comes through, we're going to fail. That, that's uncomfortable. We're not willing to do that because it's outside of our control. So that's, that's another area where we struggle in regards to influence is to be influential. Sometimes we have to take a risk. Sometimes when God calls us to a commitment in obedience, it causes us to be very uncomfortable. And that's an aspect of character. If we're not allowing God to develop our character, if we're not allowing God to build in us that character of Christ, then we're going to value comfort over commitment. And when we have that, we will never follow the kingdom principle that little is big. Because we view the, the act of obedience, whatever that is, as a little thing in, compared, in comparison to the big, uncomfortable feeling we're going to get. Or the big, uncomfortable experience we're going to have. Well, this little thing is not worth all this discomfort. Well, we're looking at it in isolation. Because this little thing, even though it causes us this much discomfort, can lead to God bringing this much influence that is nothing in comparison to the amount of uncomfort, uncomfortableness or discomfort we feel. Uh, you know, it, it won't even be close. It's more than worth it. But, but God requires the, the discomfort up front, the commitment up front, the obedience up front to believe that in the kingdom, little is big and can lead to big things. So if we want to be influential in the kingdom of God, we have to remember that in the kingdom, little is big. That's number one. So let's, let's move on to number two. Uh, number two, again, is consistency is more important than intensity. Uh, the Apostle Paul in Galatians uh, chapter 5 says that a little leaven leavens the whole lump. Whole lump. Well, you know, we don't tend to use or use the word leaven anymore. Uh, it's more like a um, uh, modern day example would be yeast, where you take a little bit of yeast, you put it into a measure of dough, and eventually that yeast will grow and influence the entire ball of dough or, you know, big thing of dough, whatever it is. And it will infect it, if you will, in a good way. It will influence the entire ball, but it starts out really small. If you've ever made uh, bread or whatever, you have this really small pack of, of yeast you put in to all the ingredients, but without that yeast, the dough will not rise, and you will not be able to make the bread, or whatever it is, dough, or you know, pizza, whatever it is you're making. That little bit of influence uh, impacts the entire outcome of that dough or that bread or whatever it is, that, that recipe. So when it comes to kingdom influence, uh, you know, what happens with that, that aspect of, of the, the yeast or the leaven is it consistently grows over time and impacts all the area of that dough. Now that takes time and it takes consistency. Oftentimes, from a worldly perspective, we, we prefer intensity over consistency. Because intensity 
kind of plays into the aspect of of size. You know, we want something that's big and 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 loud and and uh, experiential. And it's got it's got a big bang, if you will. And we think that's what's going to make the difference. That's what's going to lead to influence. But in the kingdom, consistency is more important than intensity. <clears throat> you know, Jesus also says. Uh, he used the same type of illustration when he, he compares the kingdom. In uh, Matthew chapter 13, one of the, one of the illustrations Jesus is used, that Jesus uses is in uh, Matthew 13, verse 31, where he talks about, he's talking about the kingdom of God, okay? And he's talking about... Um, Comparing the kingdom of God in a, in a couple of illustrations here. So he goes on, you know, and says uh, another another parable he he brought forth was the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed, which a man took and sowed in a field, which indeed is the least of all the seeds, but when it's grown is greater than the herbs and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. And then he also goes on and uses the, the same um, uh, parable in the context of leaven, uh, where you know a woman takes a little bit of leaven, puts it in the whole uh, lump, and, and it, it, it causes the whole thing to, to grow. Uh, the mustard seed is the you know the littlest of seeds, but it becomes this big plant, and it does that through consistency over time, as that that little seed consistently grows over time and becomes bigger and bigger. And bigger, uh, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, you know we live in this microwave mentality society, and we've adopted this, if you will, in, in in the church. We don't want to wait, and we don't want to be consistent over time. We just want it now. We want it intense. We want intensity now. Just boom, uh, throw it in the microwave. Be done in five minutes. A great example of this uh, in the context or the contrast between consistency. And intensity, and this will help really uh, illustrate this, is in the area of diets. Uh, if you've ever been on a diet, you know, you're intense about this diet for a short period of time, you know, however many weeks or maybe a couple months, whatever it is. You're really intense about it and you're, you're dialed into doing this. Now, in that process, you develop some consistency, but the problem with diets is you're intense for a very short period of time. But as soon as that diet is over, the consistency that you develop in that time of intensity stops. And you go back to your former consistency, whatever that was. And eventually, the results you get from that short period of intensity dissipate because your consistency changed. And we, we mistakenly attribute the results to the intensity rather than the consistency. Because if, if, if you were to be consistent in whatever the diet goal is, you know, lose weight, gain weight, gain muscle, whatever. If you maintain that consistency over a much longer period of time or just maintain the consistency permanently, you would continue to reap the results of that consistency, uh, even if there's no intensity so we have to be careful that we're not valuing intensity over consistency. Uh, how does this play out in the church? Well, you know, oftentimes we get excited about, you know, maybe it's a move of God or, um, you know, a great, great service or, or, or a great encounter with the Holy Spirit, whatever. You know, these intense moments. But those intense moments don't last, obviously, you know, we see throughout history great moves of God, but over time, the intensity of those movements dissipates because we can't live on intensity. We have to live on consistency. And the reality is intensity can spark consistency, but if we, if we falsely attribute the results to intensity, we're going to miss the aspect of consistency. It is consistency that brings about the results that we want. 
uh, again, in, in the context of the church. You know, a lot of people uh, are living in this cycle right now of Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday, Sunday to Sunday. We go to a Sunday service and it's great. You know, it's intense. We have this great experience, um, you know, whether it's the worship or we have an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Or it's a great word or whatever. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. I'm certainly not against that, obviously. Uh, but we live from intensity to intensity to intensity to intensity, but we have no consistency, and thus we're not getting the results we want. It would be much better not to abandon Sunday morning, that's not what I'm saying, but it would be much better that if we were consistent on a daily basis of encountering Jesus, regardless of the intensity of that encounter, the consistency of that encounter would lead to a transformation of our character. And in that transformation of our character, we're then positioned to make commitments that are more valuable to us than our comfort. It is the consistency that leads to transformation. And it's the consistency in the context of influence that leads to not just the transformation of an individual, but the transformation of a church, the transformation of a community, and ultimately the transformation of a culture. And when it comes to racial reconciliation, we've got to be consistent. You know, we want these great moves, but the consistency tends to follow the move. Once the move is gone, the consistency is gone. Uh, same thing with you know Christianity in the sense of discipleship. When I'm really excited about the Lord, I'm consistent in being in the Word. But when that intensity goes away, my consistency drops off. And when my consistency drops off, then my transformation is hindered. So when it comes to influence, we have to remain consistent. Because consistency is much more important than intensity in the context of kingdom Influence. So that's uh, number two. So let's look at number three. In the context of, of the three keys of kingdom influence, number three, favor is more important than position or title. Now again, when it comes to influence, one of the things we, we, we think we need is some sort of platform, uh, a worldly platform, let me put it that way, or a cultural-based platform, such as a position or title or, or um, you know, being well-known, uh, having a lot of followers on social media, or whatever. <clears throat> well, in, in the context of the kingdom, that's not true. Um, a position or title or platform is not as important as favor. And it's, and it's not the favor of others, it's the favor of God. Because favor will trump, will, will overcome position or title, and... and, and outdo it every day of the week. And we, you know, we see that all the time throughout the history of the Bible. A great example of that, of course, is Joseph. You know, look at the story of Joseph in, in the book of Genesis. Here's this kid who had these dreams, is sold into slavery, and now is a slave for, for many years, and then is falsely accused of rape, and then thrown into prison. This guy has... Zero position, zero title, and zero platform. But one thing that he was is he was consistent, as we talked about number two, in being faithful to the Lord. And the Lord's favor was on him. It says consistently throughout the story of Joseph that the Lord was with Joseph and gave him success because the Lord had placed his favor on Joseph. So despite the lack of position, title, or platform, Joseph had the favor of God. And ultimately that favor of God led him to becoming Prince of Egypt without any platform, without any, any position, or without any title. He eventually became the second most influential person in Egypt, uh, even influencing Pharaoh himself because of God's favor. Favor is, is the most important commodity in, in regards to influence when it comes to position or title or platform. Favor trumps everything. 
if you don't have God's favor, you could have the biggest platform in the world. You could have the most important title and position in the world. If you don't have God's favor, it's nothing. It doesn't mean anything. <clears throat> now, as Christians, we have to remember not to be caught up in the, the false belief that if I don't have a position, if I don't have a title, then I can't have influence. And that's just not true. Um, you know, great example over the years is Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa really hadn't, she, I mean, she was a, a, a nun, and, you know, she was the leader of her, her, her group there in, in Calcutta, India. But, I mean, it was just a small little group of nuns who were just servants. But the Lord's favor was on her, and because of that, the Lord gave her a worldwide platform to influence leaders. Um, there's a great story of, of Mother Teresa when she was she was honored here in the United States. Uh, she she was giving a a speech, and you had all these politicians in the room. Uh, all the way from the president, all the way down to you know Congress and all them, and you know the whole aspect of abortion um, is is a big political issue. Well, she gets up there and she you know she's giving her her speech, and then she calls she just calls out abortion for what it is, this great sin uh, against humanity. And here's a room full of the world's most influential politicians, and not one of them said a word. Why? Because Mother Teresa had the favor of God on her. I mean, you look at some of these uh, things that have gone, over, uh, gone on over the last few, few years and months in Congress, and, and people wanting to make claims about this politically or that politically, and there's always pushback, and there's debate, and there's arguments, and, and characters that none of that occurred with Mother Teresa. Nobody said a word because she had the favor of God on her. She didn't have a platform. She didn't have a title. She didn't have uh, anything other than God's favor. And it was God's favor who gave her those other things. So as Christians, we got to remember that it's the favor of God that is the most important aspect when it comes to kingdom influence. And if we want to influence our culture, we have to value the favor of God more than position, title, or platform. Um, because it's that favor that will do the work. Just like with Gideon. You know, the Lord said to Gideon, Hey, you got too many because you're going to try and take the glory. And oftentimes the Lord puts us in a position where we don't have any of the other three uh, position, platform, or, or, or title. Because he wants to build his favor through us. Uh, but if we don't see that, if we buy into the cultural belief that those three things are important, then we're going to miss the opportunity for God to build his favor on us, to build his favor through us, and for his favor to lift us up, for his favor to give us influence. And if we miss that, then we miss the great opportunity to be a kingdom influencer uh, in regards to what, what the Lord wants to do. Uh, and, and how the Lord wants to use his church to transform the culture. Because ultimately, that's what, that's what we're called to do. We're, we're called to be influencers of the culture. And, you know, obviously we see that with, with Mother Teresa, where she influenced the culture. <clears throat> so favor is a, a primary key in regards to kingdom influence. So let's let's recap these three, uh, and and the reason these three are so important again is our car, our, our culture is is right now in this huge crisis right now. Um, you know, you take five minutes on social media or on on the news media, and you'll see that the that our the world our our world our country is literally tearing itself apart at the seams. <clears throat> we need a church who leads. From a kingdom perspective, we need a church that understands how kingdom people influence a culture. And it's not using the cultural ways. 
It's not using the cultural means. It's using the kingdom means of influence. And, and those three things are how God throws three keys, or how God brings about kingdom influence. Number one, in the kingdom, little is big. Number two, consistency is more important than intensity. And number three, favor is more important than position, title, or platform. If we will remember those three things, if we will allow God to build in us a kingdom perspective, a kingdom mindset, and a kingdom character, then he can position us. He can put in us a desire for, for, to start something that from in our eyes may look small. But if we're consistent in doing it, and we trust in his favor, it can become bigger than the biggest problem on the planet. And we position ourselves to be um, an instrument of God to bring about his influence into the world and be the catalyst for the transformation of, of our families, of our churches, of our communities, and of our culture. And that's what we need today. That's what this world is desperately looking for, is transformation. And we have it. We've already got it. If we will walk in his ways, if we will walk in his kingdom character, if we will trust in the Lord, he will be with us and he will give us success in whatever we do. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, Lord, we thank you. Lord, Father, we just thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word. And Lord, we thank you that, that you desire to make us kingdom influencers in our, in our families, in our churches, in our communities, and in our culture. So Lord, tonight, we just commit these things to you. Father, we, I pray that each and every person who hears this message, Lord, would desire your kingdom perspective in understanding that in the kingdom, little is big. Lord, they would make a commitment to being consistent even when there's no intensity. And Father, that they would rely on your favor, not on a position, not on a title, not on a platform. And Lord, when we do that, when we position ourselves that way, Lord, we know that you will set us up in such a way that multitudes of people will be healed, saved, and delivered in Jesus' name. Amen.